everyone. Uh, thanks for joining me uh, for episode number 11 of Spoke, the podcast, uh, with me, Scott Crawford, as your host. Today we've got a really special guest, Jamie Wyatt, who is uh, one of my favorite alt-country badasses. And uh, she just released an album last year entitled Neon Cross, which is uh, also one of the singles off the record. This is a pretty far-reaching conversation that I really, really enjoyed. In addition to being a hell of a songwriter, Jamie is also one hell of a storyteller. As I was preparing for this interview, um, I thought back to one of my first real jobs, or at least jobs that I actually enjoyed uh, in my 20s, and that was um, as a buyer for an indie record store. And the thing I liked about the store was that the owner insisted insisted on no genres of any kind um, in out there on the on the floor. Uh, everything was alphabetized. He made no distinctions between any genre of music. And you know, I've I've thought a lot about that, and that's kind of if you were to look at my music collection, any of you who follow me on Instagram. Um, can certainly see how weird my musical tastes are. Uh, needless to say, they're all over the place. Um, and that's going to be the case with this show as well. You know, I want to explore all kinds of music on here. And of course, there's going to be sort of a punk rock thread that probably will run through a lot of these shows. For example, with Jamie Wyatt, she admitted to being a huge Fugazi fan. So there you go. I guess my point here is is that um, this is a show open to uh, anyone who can write a hell of a song or an amazing book or a must-see film of any kind. So this is really almost like a free-form kind of show. But in the end, all of the episodes are going to have a similar thread that runs through each of them. Uh, with that said, um, enjoy this interview with Jamie. I think you're going to really like it. As always, the show is sponsored by the fine folks over in Annapolis, Maryland at Kachunk Records. Man, you should have seen Record Store Day there the other day. It was insane. Um, There's a line around the block, and that just goes to show what a great store that is. Uh, music is provided by Michael Hampton and So Rob Habibian. And please, please share this podcast with your friends your family, whoever you think might dig it, and, uh, you know, get the word out as much as you can. That's going to make this show continue to succeed and grow our audience, and I'm, I'm really excited with how well things are going so far, and I just want to keep that momentum going, and I can't do that without you. So please show your support uh, any way you can. You can follow me on Instagram at Saladazed, as well as on Twitter at Saladazed. And if you have a suggestion for someone that you'd like to have on this show, feel free to reach out and let me know who that is. Thank you again, and let's get this show started. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for uh, for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. 
Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this. Um, so one of the first things I was thinking about when I thought about talking to you was the fact that you put out an album um, in 2020 and which I'm so thankful for because um, it, it just helped, you know, I think that year for so many of us, but I, you know, for me in particular, I, you know, we all had time on our hands and um, I, I just, I went out of my way to discover, I've been kind of in, doing movies for years and I hadn't really, I'd been kind of stuck in a rut in, in terms of music. And I really went out of my way to go out and, and, and listen to things um, and discover new things and listen to them in a little more of a, try to listen to them in a more meaningful way. And your album was one of those. So. Dang, um, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's gotta be hard as an artist. I mean, you were really creative about it. The record came out and, and I saw you on various, I mean, everybody had to be, you know, every artist had to be creative and, and do various things to get the music out there and promote it once their albums came out. But, um, but this has got to feel good for you to finally be on the road now um, after having yeah. done all those things and with a real for live sure. audience. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's been really good to do the few shows that I have done this year. And then I am getting ready to go to start touring in August and I'm super excited. I'm a little nervous because getting back into the rhythm, but then I'm also like a little more comfortable on the road than I am in like normal life. Um, so, yeah. Well, you've been doing this for, you know, for what, 20 years or something, or I don't know about on the road for 20 years, but you've been making music for 20 years. So it yeah. probably, right. So there's probably a, a sense of maybe almost like a, like a comfort on the, on, on the road, being in the road. Yes. It's about the only like routine I ever feel comfortable. And I, the only routine I don't resist. Right. I just, I I'm like, I've always read all these different things about like, what's probably good for, for, you know, extreme ADHD and blah, 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 blah. Read it's routine. And, um, I buck routine. You know what I mean? Like, I'm right. like, Oh, I just, I think that I need to like run my own show and then I do. And then I'm like, you know, I need routine, but Hey, anyways, touring <laughs> is a great routine <laughs> for me. And I'm so excited. And just to like, you know, see how the album was received because it's really hard to, um, it's interesting. It's like read comments, you know, on the internet and that's great and cool. And I'm like, Oh, wow, that's great. But different to like feel it in person and like sure. see people sing along or have fun or, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a visceral sort of thing you get from having, you know, I mean, I've watched you do so many live performances over the past year, but they've been in, you know, very controlled environments um, with, you know, one or two people in the studio with you. And I, I, I yeah. can't help but feel like, you know, you just, the, the, the sound of, of, of clapping and, and just that, that physical, <laughs> you know, exchange that comes from playing live. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it can't compare it to just playing in a studio. And Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, weird time to release an album, but I think it was also like a weird time to be on planet earth. So, it was. you know, it's my little, fun. yeah, like my own. Yeah. It still is. That's the day, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, which is maybe why the billionaires are going to outer space. It's, they're just like, you know, another way 
to like not be uncomfortable. <laughs> no, it is. I'm trying to figure out their motivation other than ego, like what that is. But yeah, I, I um, guess it's a rush. I mean, I was just like when I was uncomfortable, I used to just do drugs. Right. And and, um, you know, seems like, you know, that that plan backfired. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime um, but sometimes I look and I'm like, those people are weird. Why don't they just do drugs? Exactly. But that's it's weird. So much. I mean, sorry, they, like they've got so much money. Imagine like the quality too of the drugs. Like it could, and it would be. Oh my god! Right. right? It would be like Michael Jackson, where like, to like go, you could do like crazy uppers and then to go to bed, you have like an anesthesiologist, like on site that could just like put you, <laughs> you know, because that's part of the worry when you're doing like blow or something. It's like, Fuck, right? How am I gonna get to sleep tonight? How am I gonna come you know, down? I gotta yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then you gotta go search for something to bring you down, but in the case of like, you know, Elon Musk, he could just, you know, and it would, you know, he could just have someone do it for him and um, it'd probably be like battery powered or something. Yeah, for sure. I, I think honestly, and this is, I'm very biased, but I think drug addicts are the most normal people on the, the earth and anybody trying to get high off, off other stuff are pretty irregular. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm like, sexaholics, why don't you just do drugs like normal people? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I understand that our, our drugs, drugs are bad. So you know? they are. They're, they're, yeah. They're... Um, but you know what? And it's easy for me to judge but i feel like um you know it's very easy to judge a woman who has no teeth that's on the street pushing a grocery cart and then we're like we totally just because of appearances then there's you know if we see someone in society a guy slick back hair and a nice suit looks good and he is just you know gross with women and yeah. totally addicted and um completely self-centered and you know what I mean? They're the yeah. same. Their brains Absolutely. have the same issue. Yeah. They're, they're uh, dealing with so the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, one is and, somehow... and, ex and super rich people too. I think, you know, there's a fix, right. Uh, and not to say all super rich people, but I think like this, this thing of like the billionaires putting on a show and going to space, um, unless there is really something of merit coming from this, I suppose they are going to contribute to NASA's research. Is that, is that affirmed? I assume that's what, um, what the point here is other than um, just being able to say you did it. I'd like to think that, that they're going to bring back some kind of information. I have to admit though, I'm, you know, and, and um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that will debate this with me, but I am not a space person like i'm not someone that's curious about it i um i mean i'm more than beyond just going wow like look at the sky and 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 making it making me feel very you know humble and whatever uh, but i don't sure. i'm not really into exploring fucking other planets and stuff it's just it's not really <laughs> it just doesn't it's not a priority in my mind i'm just you know here we are you know struggling in so many ways and yet you've got these um you know billionaires uh richard branson you know in particular who's just got you know itching to get it to mars or wherever the hell it is that he's going and i just wasn't he like asking for a bailout and stuff like a, a government bailout I think he was. last year yeah, yeah. i think i think That's, he got one didn't he yeah him and kanye west um mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. not this maybe not the same one but this that small business yeah grant was a joke yeah right yeah, yeah. it went uh, to all the wrong people 
yes, but I am, unlike you, Scott, I, I don't have um, aspirations of space. Um, I would like to take care of this little small space around me. And <laughs> well said, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, that's, yeah. you know, um, beyond being a kid and, and watching the space shuttle and all that, it's just, it's never been, I just, I'm not sure why it's such a priority for us. Um, but I guess that's a whole other podcast, but, but, um, it could be, yeah. yeah. It's like, it if there's be. not resources, um, you know, I would love to see them get some resources that will, uh, help prepare the planet we live on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I'm so, not, I know. And I don't want to, you know, that's not being an isolationist or something. That's not being some, you know, that's just saying like, no, let's take care of, you know, we're not talking about a country here. We're talking about the world. Like let's take right. care of the world, you know, like not, I just, you know, anyway, it's yeah. These, well, these are really strange times. Strange times. I mean, I, I'm from Washington state originally yeah. and, um, and they are having a heat wave that is like weather, like, you know, 110 degrees. And that is, you know, that's like Las Vegas, Washington state like, rains all the time. And it's very mild, you know, um, but there it's so hot up there that like, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> clams are like steam, like mollusks are like cooking on the shore. And, uh, yeah. that's, that's frightening, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's frightening. Yeah. And I totally, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I recycle and, and stuff or whatever, but, but I'm not like crazy and preach, you know, about the environment, but I try to do a little bit, sure. um, you know, and, and it's just like, that seems super important right now. So anyways, yeah, um, but it's, it's, it's interesting because we're not really talking about it. We're talking instead, the news is, you know, or, you know, the headlines are about space or whatever, but so, all right. So you, um, you grew up in, was it Tacoma or outside of Tacoma? Well, two bridges from Tacoma would be where I grew up called, it's a little Island called Fox Island. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, luckily accessible by bridge, um, that I went to school in Gig Harbor, which is like a little fishing town in the South Puget Sound area mm-hmm. of, uh, of Washington state. And so Tacoma was like the nearest city. And I would go, like I started off playing in cafes and bars in Tacoma. And so I'd go play the, uh, there's this thing called like the antique sandwich company on Tuesday nights in Tacoma. And it was like an open mic at a cafe. And then you'd be on the radio Oh, that's and, great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, terrifying, yeah. but terrifying, but right? right. Yeah. But a good like exercise nonetheless, sure, you know? Sure. Yeah, totally. Were you so you started doing that as a teenager? Mm-hmm. Um, were you just making were you doing covers? Were you making deep were you doing originals, like bedroom demos kind of stuff, like in your room, like at home? Yeah. I was like doing originals. Although, you know what? I started with covers, of course. Yes. But pretty, you know, I I started writing songs, you know, almost as soon as I could get through a cover of like a Nirvana song or um, I think at the time, uh, I think I really liked Ben Harper at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw that he was a really good songwriter and, and making songs that were simplistic enough for like a beginning 
beginner guitar player and stuff. And so I was yeah. doing some, learning some of that. Um, and uh, lo- looking back, it's, it's, it's funny, but you know, like, but yeah, I started writing songs pretty, pretty early on to like, as soon as I could, you know, play chords through consistently. And, and uh, yeah. Now your parents were songwriters, correct? Yeah, they were like no one of notoriety and uh, right. they, they didn't achieve like, you know, um, stardom or anything that was, you know, they were songwriters before the internet. So, uh, right. but my dad, I think had some like little like demo deals, production deals with, um, with companies in Los Angeles. And my mom sang backup vocals. She sang on the Porky soundtrack and uh, she sang on one of the Doobie Brothers guys records and mm-hmm. so they, they were on the scene they're they were hip <laughs> so did they teach you did they teach you how to play or no that? no um i just really wanted to play mm-hmm. they were they were busy with uh life and each other and uh i got myself through like tablature guitar tablature wow. yeah really? yeah and um and then my sister got married really young and her husband like showed me some stuff on guitar and he was, he was a good teacher. Um, my dad like had all that stuff around and he'd be like, this is a D chord. Um, but, but it was, uh, and maybe it was better like that. I just taught myself anyways, you know what I mean? I probably wouldn't want to listen to my parents, even if they really were going to teach me. My mom sang all the time and we talked about music nonstop. And we, both parents talked about music nonstop and songwriting and craft and not the film about witches, the craft right. of songwriting. Yes. And uh, <laughs> just to be clear, and okay, uh, I really went back to the nineties for a minute. Made there. that distinction for us. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So um, we talked about songwriting and songs, songwriters all the mm-hmm. time. And they were real big into like Steve Earle and Lucinda Williams. And um, I was into everything, so they were. I mean, both of those. I mean, Steve Earle and Lucinda were both sort of, uh, well, certainly at one of their career peaks. You know, um, both of them, I think, in the nineties. For sure. I mean, they've had multiple periods, but um, but yeah, I mean, that was. Let's see, cartwheels on gravel. I mean, that was like mid nineties, and then Steve Earle. um, Yeah cleaned up and and then he it was like one record after another was fucking fantastic yeah copperhead road at first i remember my my dad put on copperhead road and at first i was like what the fuck is this bagpipe shit (laughs) dude (laughs) i was like no thank you yeah and then it started to get in and i like heard his his voice and i was like oh yeah that's a badass motherfucker like that like he's actually cool yeah and and then um and then my dad was like, yeah. And he went to prison and I was like, cool. It's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to go it's to like, prison too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like next level. Once you figure that out. Yeah. And his story, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, um, you know, he, he certainly, um, lived it. Um, he lived it. Yeah. Yeah. And now like he, he like doesn't do drugs and still makes music. So that's pretty rad. Um, but yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember hearing Copperhead Road, and that was pretty, pretty awesome. And um, your your parents are exposing you to this stuff, but like, were you? Um, I mean, it was the '90s, right? So there was yeah. all kinds of shit going on. Were you into 
like any of the grunt, like you said, you played a Nirvana cover. Were you into any of the, like the sort of the bikini kill and that whole thing that was happening in the nineties? Yeah, I definitely listened to some kill rockstar um, artists, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, you know, it's so weird throughout my childhood. I didn't gravitate towards enough like women artists. And, and I think I was always relating heavily with, um, male artists and like a lot of my friends were the guys and I grew up skateboarding and um you know like kind of like being with the guys um and so I I gravitated towards definitely Nirvana and and uh Pearl Jam and Mud Honey and uh, Mother Love Bone and um and uh you know my cousin my older cousin would like like he lived on our property for a while and he's super cool and he'd take me to school um some sometimes and he had like an old nova and then he had a tape deck in there and he'd be playing like stuff i'd never heard before that was like you know like that's where i heard mother love bone that's where i heard then on the other flip side he'd be like you know playing tribe called quest and like right. um fugazi um right. afghan wigs and all wow. this great rock yeah and yeah, uh yeah so much good stuff back then yeah so there was tons of rock and then the other side of like um my influences would be like working at a horse barn and mm-hmm. listening to, I think the station was KMPS country, country, country's always on. You go to a horse barn and, and I sure. always got the country station on and you're, yeah. and I'd be like cleaning stalls. That was my first job. And um, our neighbors had a big horse breeding farm. We had horses too. And my sister was a barrel racer and we'd go to the fairs and stuff. So there was a lot of like love Trishy, Trisha Yearwood, the Judds and, garth brooks but um right. you know so that stuff was it <laughs> i have like such a wide uh i love kind of all music yeah I, I like i like um good hooks mm-hmm. you know like you know um i still like hooky stuff so so actually a lot of hardcore i didn't get into as much because i, I love like melodies but then yeah, again the, you know no i'm the same even when even if you look at you know a lot of that classic punk rock stuff the stuff that i you know like always has a hook always has a chorus yeah I, I wasn't really into like a lot of the noise stuff um but and i wasn't really into like the the later period macho like hardcore stuff that just wasn't right. really my, my scene but um but like fugazi of course loved that band and right. um you know and and growing up in dc there was a lot of that the punk rock stuff going on so that was a it. huge yeah that's a that's a, like a crazy scene like dave Grohl's from there isn't he yeah is, yeah dave, yeah yeah dave um used to we used to go to shows together he would he lived in springfield i lived in silver spring so if you take the beltway around you pass silver spring so him and a couple other guys would pick me up on the way because i was right off the boat and then we'd go and then from my house to dc was a straight shot just it was like 15 minutes that's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, he was one of the funniest human beings I'd he's, ever met. Yeah, he's got great energy and a ton of energy. Um, it's I, not, I, yeah, it's nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Nonstop. I used yeah. to be. It, it was a little annoying at times, but um, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet as a young person, yeah, right. Yeah, you like, just want to go all like, a little annoying dude. Yeah, like we're all annoying. I was completely annoying, but like but probably in a different, you know, just in a different way. I just didn't have that same energy, but he was um, just incredibly funny and always, um, he just knew, like, you just, I mean, when you, when you, 
the first couple of times I saw him, you know, live and heard him play, I just went like, this guy's going to be, I mean, of course, no one, you know, you didn't think it, you know, on like a Led Zeppelin kind of scale, but you, right. just knew, you knew this guy was, you know, kind of the total package, you know, like right. funny, like, you know, witty, charming, fucking could play anything. Um, and knew a good hook when he, you know, and, and all of that, you could just tell um, really early right. on. And that's the thing about like Nirvana and Foo Fighters is, is that there's like crazy good hooks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy good hooks. I saw, I, I met Dave like a few years ago. I think it's almost four years ago. My friend is close with them. And um, I was like just out of, this is like, yeah, but I, I almost have four years sober again. So and I was like, of- I was just out of rehab. Yeah. Right. And um, I think I was in sober living and I was like, I was telling someone, I was like, no, no, I'm going to, this is a work thing. I'm going with my sister, everyone's sober. And I was telling the sober living, like, but I, I am going to meet Dave Grohl. So please let me go. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was, and I wanted to be like, don't know who I am. Like, right. <laughs> but there's none of that shit there you know oh yeah they, they don't care yeah. who you who you think you are and so um anyways i did get to go and i did get to meet dave girl and he's he's like listen to my stuff and he's like you have a rad voice and that's very again like ratifying right? sure, a, i'm like because i think he's got great taste um so anyways yeah um i love all the rock and roll the hard rock but I prefer when they've got like a pop sensibility, at least, you know, I'm simple in that way. Uh, I love the misfits for that reason. Yeah. That's right? the same way. Same with me. And then the misfits went, went like, just went hardcore after like a couple of albums. And right. That's when I stopped liking them. I liked them. The early stuff, cause it was so catchy mm-hmm. and just undeniably catchy. And, um, you know, you're, you're walking around singing these choruses, you know, that are completely dumb, but, you, you know, like I ain't no goddamn son of. I mean, that's like, yeah, one of the dumb, dumbest choruses ever, but it's so good, you know. It's so um, good and so catchy that, um, yeah, and and later period stuff just kind of that 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 was lacking. So, um, but, uh, but but yeah, I think I you know there have been so many bands. I mean, look at like Social Distortion. Like, I mean, I don't know if you're a fan or not, but that yeah, was. I am. They, you know, they kind of took that path. Like they started, I mean, there's a lot of parallel, I'm not going to get all whatever, but there's, there are a lot of parallels between that and like outlaw country stuff. If you look at it, yes. um, you know, in kind of a musicology kind of way. And, and um, you remind me, uh, you know, especially um, lyrically a lot of like Mike Ness when he got out of prison oh, and you. wrote uh, prison bound, which was sort of their, their comeback record after he'd served time. And it was all about his experience um, in prison and about getting sober. And so when I heard that, you know, the fel- when I heard your felony blues record and then, you know, even more. So- and then, of course, with Neon Cross, there's a lot of that same stuff. And you guys are very um, open and raw lyrically. And, you know, I can't help but think that's got to be therapeutic. Yeah, man, that's that's. Hey, and thanks for um, the comparison. I, I really I love Mike Ness. I think he's fantastic. And um it is really therapeutic and that's kind of why I'm like a wide open book in interviews and trying to be more and more open in songs, but definitely, you know, did I wonder, because I think that, you know, even felony blues, my last album, I was like pretty, 
open, but a little more like it's a little more sugarcoated. Mm-hmm. That's like when I'm real cheeky, it's easier to talk about jail and stuff. Like I had a, a song called Stone Hotel where I just made it funny. Mm-hmm. Right. The whole the whole bit. And, and um, you know, and I have a song Wasco about my cellmate who I love that saw song. a guy. Go, Thanks, man. Well, it's about my cellmate who saw a guy across the courtroom and it was love at first sight. And they wrote letters back and forth. And I'm the cellmate. So I hear every single romantic letter. And, uh, you know, it goes on and on and they start planning their wedding and and um, and and me being, you know, the opportunist I am, I wrote a song about them. And yeah. I don't know if they ever got married, but I hope they did because everyone deserves love. Right. And absolutely. And uh, even convicts. So uh, so I was real funny and cheeky about that, uh, I think, on felony blues, because that's what I was comfortable with. And as I progress, I, you know, I talk about. um, uh, I I did so felony blues is about going to jail uh, and I did I did eight months. I took a plea, almost went to prison. So felony blues, um, just as in the case with Mike Ness, um, that was an album based on your real life experiences um, in, in the, um, prison system, you were in uh, the county right. jail, I believe not the, um, it's obviously a distinction between that and the, um, Correct. Yeah. state prison system. Um, and do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, looking back, it's, uh, it was, <laughs> it's what basically saved my life. And it was also kind of like fucked up. To be like, you know, I had to take a plea for I I robbed my heroin dealer, 21 years old. And I went to jail and I was getting prosecuted for robbing the heroin dealer. And the heroin dealer was prosecuting me. And she was, you know, because she knew someone high up, uh, stepdad, something, uh. you know, stepdad, I think either prosecutor or da or something of that nature right um and and this was not your your average dealer this was this was no and it was so silly and i had such a resentment about it because i was like man she owed me like 250 bucks and i was just trying to like i was just like ill you know and just needed to cop some dope and um my best idea my best thinking was to kick the door in and no weapon like uh you know wouldn't hurt anyone but i of course, it's terrifying. It's a terrible thing to do. Um, in so the you, drug, you, you know, you kick the door down. Is yeah, that kinda... like you know, kick in the door and be like, "Where's the dope?" And be intimidating. You know, it's called right. a strong. And um, you know, they initially were trying to get me on a home invasion, and they dropped it down to a uh, strong arm robbery. Strong arm meaning there's no weapon, but that it's still considered a violent crime. So, like, there's I, an implied thing there of like you're gonna yeah yeah well i took i took a i took a gangster with me you know and and um and uh you know it was it was all it was all my plan it was all you know to get (laughs) to get back on at everyone that ever you know got me down because you know i was feeling bad for myself or whatever and um and so i'm admittedly you know i did something wrong but at the Mm -hmm. time i was like okay so I'm in here because I robbed a drug dealer. Like, right. what? you <laughs> yeah. know, and y'all know sure. this is a drug dealer too. Um, yeah. Anyways, but looking back, it saved my life. I, you know, I, I just 
just got into to using needles and um I probably would have never stopped had I not had forced abstinence. Um, that's not to say that like actually in, in LA County, there's a lot of drugs and um, there I definitely used while in custody. Like with Within the, while you were in, in jail? Yeah, while well, I was in custody in LA County. Um, so I was in LA County jail fighting the case. And then, you know, I just remember being like, locked down in a cell with someone that did not even my drug of choice, you know, like speed or something. And I was right. just like, I said no. And then like a couple hours later, I was like, you still got that stuff? You know, it's because I'm an addict and I didn't have, I was defenseless, but, um, sure. but yeah, so that was, that was a turning point at some, at some point when I got out, you know, I took a plea and I actually was like, okay, I'm going to go to treatment. At first I was like, oh, I'm going to go to prison because I can get a guitar. Um, and just, I could like write a record up there, you know, and just my best thinking, right. It was so limited, <laughs> so small, but um, there was a time and, and a couple people, like I got out and went to treatment and I, I felt really ashamed about all that stuff. Um, and you know, people would be like kind of jokingly like, oh, Johnny Cash went to jail, you know, kind of like played sure. in jail. He didn't go to jail, sure. but Merle Haggard went to jail. Went to you know? jail, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Johnny Paycheck and people would kind of say a joking. David Allen Coe. David Allen Coe. And yeah. so David Allen Coe has a record called Penitentiary Blues. Uh -huh. Yep. And so I heard that album and at some point, and this took me years to write Felony Blues um, because it was I didn't want to talk about it for a I didn't want to be known for going to jail and doing all that. Defined by I didn't that. want to be defined. Yeah. I actually didn't even want to bring it up ever because I just felt so ashamed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like to the point where like small town, growing up in a small town, right? Where everyone knew everyone's business. You know, I'd hear from like someone I, I worked with years ago that's like, I heard you were in jail. And I was like, shit. It's so embarrassing. News travels. Oh, bad news travels fast. So yeah. eventually by just being on tour and an artist, uh, uh, a musician at one point was like, man, that's like your story. That's crazy. Cause it was like late night when we're in the van. And I eventually just like, I was like told my whole deal to a drummer. And he's like, that's like the most outlaw, you know, like outlaw countries, like, Right. hip and you're like making country like this is outlaw country and i was like oh okay cool so you know back on that david allen co thing penitentiary blues and so i came up with uh felony blues because i had walked with a felony strike strong arm robbery and that thing has followed me around for ages i just can't it's a very difficult thing to expunge um and yeah, is, is that like, uh, it's not like bankruptcy where after like seven years, it just, right. I mean, it, no, it doesn't like just, fall off. Ever. No, it just, you, you've got it forever now. And, yeah. and, and that sort of, um, you know, I, I have, this is again, another episode, but um, that it, 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 it fucks you up in, in ways that you don't even consider, like you can't even vote like, um, or, or maybe you can, but I know certain States you can't, um, yeah, it depends on the state. Depends I couldn't vote. State. You know what's weird is I couldn't vote in the presidential election here in Tennessee. Why does that not shock me? I love, uh, but for the record, yeah. I love I love Nashville. 
and I love Memphis, but I know. But uh, yeah, so it's a weird thing. And, you know, I could never like be a real estate agent. Um, There's a lot of things that I could never do. And I'll tell you this, Scott, like, you know, what's crazy is when I was integrating back into society after treatment, um, after that sentencing and after, I think like a year, nine months in treatment. And I was like going to get a job um, at Petco. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, this is Petco would be so therapeutic. Like I'm, you know, I'm sober and animals, I'm like animals, animals and, and yeah. I would do, I would work so hard. And they, they saw that felony and they're like, I'm so sorry. can't do it. Um, so many people said that to me and, uh, and, and that's actually what inspired me to more and more to start talking about the, and calling the album felony blues and talking about like the judicial system and, yeah. and um, you know, just how we sort of punish people. Cause Merle Haggard had a song called branded man. Mm-hmm. And, and, well, um, it's a, it, it, no, one yeah. was talking, no one was talking about that. Like, and um, especially when, when he, when he was, right. and, and, and I think he lived, you know, the same kind of thing that you're talking about, although he, yeah. Um, you know, his career, um, he was lucky because it was, uh, you know, his career path or whatever but but yeah, yeah no for sure. yeah but but brandon man no that's a, that's a great example and, and it's so true and it still holds true today it's it's a weird thing man it's like um in america in particular it's a way to disenfranchise people um you know uh take away voting rights um give them a felony and then they can only do these certain jobs that are definitely definitely um more low paying jobs you know, um, there's there's some companies that will hire felonies that like right off the top of my head, it's like it's like Walmart and like Home Depot and the very minimum wage type jobs. Um, so it's a weird thing in this country. And, and it was amazing that Merle Haggard was talking about that in the 60s. Um, you know, so yeah, I was inspired yeah. by that. It's because we set people up to fail. I mean, yes. when, when they leave, we're not giving them any kind of skills. We're not giving them, you know, um, you know there's so many, there's some great nonprofits out there and some great programs right. um, that are, that are doing great work, but that should be, but you know, unfortunately we've got this, this whole like privatization of prisons yeah. in this country and you know, where every human being, you know, is, is a profit, you know, margin, you know, there's a profit margin exactly. on every human and it's really gross. And that's where we're at right now. And um, I just think that, uh, you know, I don't know about the, the the situation with you when you were released, but I mean, from what I'm told, it's literally like, okay, door opens, you go and, you know, you like you're on your own, like, you know, um, (laughs) it's basically like, good luck out there. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you back here soon. Uh, uh, That's yeah. It's, it's, and what is being, you know, I'm glad that the information is, is becoming more common knowledge that it's, it's not even by mistake. It's, it's, like, oh, no. it's strategic. It's by design. It's by design. That's right. That's right. Given where we're at as a country, um, you know, you came out as a queer artist official. Well, was it, well, kind of officially like yeah. with this latest album, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, um, and, you know, I know this is the question everyone asks you, but you're in this, you know, the genre, you know, whether it's outlaw or not, it's still country. And, um, right. 
you know, uh, there've been other, you know, there's certainly others and, 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 especially recently, you know, with Orville Peck and Brandy Carlisle and Mary right. O'Shea, all these, um, great artists, but, um, I'm just wondering, um, you know, like what, how long did, did it take for you to come up with that decision and then to come out in such a public way? And then, you know, just, I can't even imagine, I'm just trying to figure out, like, I'm trying to wrap my head around, maybe it wasn't hard. Maybe I don't know, but to me, it seems like it would be a really like, you know, it was hard. It was like, well, you know, prior belief and, 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 um, was that it'd be career suicide, right? And did, did anyone tell you that? Yeah, and even you know, and I'm not even trying to throw her under the bus. She was trying to protect me, but my, even my mom, we were like, you know, it, it was just like I, and she just didn't want me to be hurt. And yeah, I'm in outlaw country, but surprising. The only thing that's really what I've found is that sometimes people that are fans of outlaw country, like the only thing that is outlaw to them is Waylon and Willie. And mm-hmm. it's not like, um, you know, cause like I, I came out and like did, did an interview with the advocate magazine and like shooter shared that on his Facebook page. And like half of the people said it was like, yeah, that's outlaw. And then the other half were like, that's not outlaw. That's an agenda. You know Whoa. what I mean? Like wow. super gnarly. And, wow. um, so, and that's what I was afraid of, right? Yeah. And, and I'm glad that, uh, that I just got to a point where I didn't care. Mm-hmm. But also, I will say that artists like Orville Peck and Brandy Carlisle paved the way. Um, yeah. And for me, I was like, you know what? This is the story. Like, you want to talk about the reason, you know, a huge reason that I became an addict and went to jail and, and wrote an album called Felony Blues is because I was always gay and um, didn't see people, enough people like me to know it from a younger age. You know, millennials, uh, I, I, you know, a lot of millennials are more gifted in that they can, there's more people out there and being visible. And, and that's kind of what maybe changed my mind about the whole subject was like that thinking about it, am I using this to advance my career or am I telling a story in hopes that a young person will see someone that looks like them and they'll know, oh, well, that's it. That's why I feel so different. And, and that's the feelings I, I have there. And it's okay. You know, because um, I, I wonder if I'd seen someone that was like, you know, if I seen an Orville Peck or a Brandy Carlisle when I was a young person, um, had would I have struggled so much? And I can't say that I wouldn't have, you know, drank or did drugs, but I, I might not have had such a hard time. I don't know. And I, but I wonder a lot and it is important. And that is the agenda. Yeah. The agenda Absolutely. is like, yeah, you know, maybe that yeah. some young kids not going to um, become homeless or commit suicide as a result of um, hearing my story, you know? Maybe. Yeah, so, so be it. If that's the agenda, then, you know, are you going to, you know, fuck off? Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. That yes, is, it is know, an that's agenda. A, that's, yeah. It's that's a, a hell of a good, it's a worthy goddamn agenda. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think 
you know, I took, um, you know, I think so much of growing up, uh, I know for me, like um, we all go through this when we're teenagers, it's like, and I think we probably spend our lives doing this, but I think you, you get older and you kind of get a little more comfortable in your skin. But I think when you're that age, you know, you're trying to find your tribe. You're just trying to find like your community. And, um, and when you're struggling with those things, I mean, I think like I took my daughter to a pride, um, event a couple of weeks ago in, um, in DC and it was like a teen pride event. And it was like the greatest fucking, it was outdoors. It was in DuPont circle, which is like downtown DC. And, um, it's an actual circle and, um, you know, there's like a monument there and it's a park and anyway, and they just had like a DJ and it was like, I've never seen so many happy, you know, and they were openly gay and it was like, it was beautiful. Yeah. And, and it was like, yeah. And so all these kids, they were, it was like, it reminded me of, you know, it was just, it just, um, you know, when you, when you, um, see other kids and they're, and they're finding like-minded people, um, yeah. that are going through what they're going through. I think it's, it, it, it it's life-saving it's, or it's, it's yeah. uh, life affirming or whatever the word is. It, and, um, yeah, it's definitely important. It's, it's, it's super, super positive. And ultimately, like, I think what a lot of people don't realize, um, because I think people with traditional, um, tendencies and quote unquote ethics to say that, you know, homosexuality, homosexuality is wrong because it says so in the Bible or something, people that believe that they ultimately want good. And what they don't understand is that really for society, people being happy and healthy makes them more productive. And it's really important, <laughs> you know, you just that basic level. Even if you look at, you know, subcultures like, you know, um, punk rock or whatever, these things that are seemingly, you know, um, you know, created in uh, reaction to, you know, to the status quo and what's going on. But even in those, within those. Oh scenes, my gosh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And yeah, country music isn't the only genre that is shunned um, gay people or even been exclusive, you know, excluding um, queer people or, or people of color for that matter, you know? You know what I was thinking, speaking of that, you know what I was thinking, like, you know what we didn't have when we had Trump as our president? We, no one, I kept waiting. And I didn't care what fucking genre it was, but like we right. never really there was never an anthem. There was never like the perfect anti-Trump anthem. You know why did why did that never happen? Do you do you think? Desensitize. Like, are we that yeah. like what um like are we just that like uh it's not apathy, it's just like but yeah, maybe we're just desensitized. Like, why didn't somebody write the perfect I mean, anyone could have done it and it could have, you know, were they afraid? Was it, is it like the Dixie Chicks I with think, Bush? Like, were they you know afraid? What? I don't think. They might have written the anthem, but because we are a little bit divided now in the music business, I, you know, because actually I just thought of it right now and I was like, maybe the Dixie yeah. Chicks, they had a single yeah, called Gaslighter. And, and, and maybe that was about... Um, that that individual who used to be our president president you know mm -hmm. um but then you know 
everything's been real divided now that we mostly use social media and um, streaming platforms. It's just different, man. Like uh, we had Kurt Loder and MTV News. Good point. <laughs> you know, and like I'll forever be so grateful for Kurt Loder and MTV yeah. News. I mean, so yeah, it's just a little different. Also, I think sometimes the True. ultimate middle finger, it's not even mentioning the dude. I don't know, but it's it's also, but then it's really important to talk about things like race and and um and being an anti-racist is super important, you know. So so maybe we'll get some great anthems after this year of rest and coming back into things. And we're kind of at ground zero now after a pandemic and, and being like our whole, just our government. I mean, there was an insurrection in January. That was, we, kind we don't of really are. talk about that anymore. I don't hear about it anymore. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that we need like some reflection. We need time to kind of absorb just how fucking crazy it's been over the last couple of years. And then, you know, I'm hoping that they'll, you know, we don't, you know, at this, you know what, at this point, we don't need a song about the ex-president. We just need a song about like compassion and about, you know, something that can kind of like unify maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's like, um, (laughs) and it's yeah. Empathy. Empathy, compassion. Um, yeah, unifying. I think, uh, I think, I mean, well, without going too far, but like the, the, you know, I consider myself pretty progressive and I, it's weird. It's like, I can't, I didn't even think I was one or the other, but I just think that one side just became so gnarly and against who I am as a person. And (laughs) was just like, so yeah, I guess I did become progressive at some point. Um, as the the meter just moved well, yeah i was thinking about this last night is it hard for you to separate the politics from the musicians or from the artists um especially like in country music when you've got um so many great songwriters but their politics may not line up with yours i mean in other words you know i love merle haggard but you know and merle kind of was like uh, kind of went waffled yeah, a little bit right? throughout his career, but you know, you know, um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think he was a fairly conservative guy, and um, you know, and you've got David Allen oh Poe, yeah, who, and yeah, and even uh, Loretta Lynn, you know, um, you know, as much as I um, love her, was a huge Trump supporter. So, <laughs> is it hard for you to like make that, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. I. I'm still able to listen to Merle Haggard in the same way. I don't, I honestly don't think um, he was conservative. Um, I know that he did speak, speak out when people were, his people were talking shit about Obama. Um, Yeah, he did. You're right. Yeah. You know, so he did that, but then, you know, he did write a song like fight inside of me or Okie yeah. Muskogee. And I kind of think that they were strategic I think so too. I think those songs were strategic. I, I'm with you. I I'm not fully convinced that they were even, you know, and he's not even fully owned it. I mean, in, in various parts of his career, he said, yeah, you know, Okie from Muskogee, that was just like tongue in cheek. But then a few, a few years later, he would, you know, say something totally different. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. Like he smoked weed exactly. every single day. Yeah, he so yeah, he talked I about think... <laughs> yeah, but at one point he, 
we don't smoke That's marijuana right. in Muskogee, right. but like you did. Totally do. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, David Allen Coe, David Allen Coe, I just don't listen to yeah. anymore. Um, there are some songs that I really, really liked, but the more I got to know about him, the more I, I was, it wasn't something that I could celebrate, uh, you know, um, and did you ever hear the lost tapes? Yeah. Yes. Gross. Yeah. It's gross. It's it's super, super ignorant, small minded. Yeah. And again, just trying to capitalize on a small on a group of people that'll be super loyal. Yeah. Right. Uh what is this bit lately too about Aaron Lewis, the guy from Stegand? Oh my god. Wait, is that it's writing like a that... trying to be like a patriot? Yeah, what the fuck? Like, yeah. The, um that was like a twitter thing right he started doing like um all this like pro trump shit and like patriotic stuff mm -hmm. right yeah it's a, it a marketing, marketing thing right you know yeah he, he didn't yeah it's nothing to do with it's not heart. like he had that many <laughs> I followers mean, i mean i i mean you know relatively speaking i you know in terms of like how big that horrible band was i don't think um they had all that many <laughs> you know yeah i mean they it was they had that big hit whatever that <laughs> horrendous fucking song was i can't remember the name of it but um it was really bad and i don't care politics aside i'm sorry but it was not a good song but that's the thing okay so the music was bad i rarely have found since say the 60s or 70s um and i i don't really listen to like new records by super old guys right <laughs> <laughs> that's a really fuck, that's a really fucked up thing to say but i i just don't and um uh, um, you know, when you start, we stop having to dig for the material or um, be really connected. The songwriting changes. Um, yeah, there's only there's only a couple times where I've been torn. Um, mostly when when the character of the person um, is shown and shown to be dark and uh, or shown to be just ugly. Like I, I do, it, it ruins it yeah. for me. Like, um, here's an example that is, um, not necessarily country music, although he made a lot of country records, mm -hmm. Ryan Adams. I was a huge fan yep, growing me up. Too. Um, yeah. right. But I don't listen to his records now cause it just doesn't, there's, there's lots of other music out there. You know, the thing, here's the thing about, yeah. And here's the thing about Ryan Adams. And I was a huge Ryan Adams fan, huge whiskey town fan. Right. But I felt like, um, with Ryan Adams, where he was spitting out records like this and just churning them out. And, you know, for a while it was kind of like, oh, this guy's so gifted. He just, you know, he's like Dylan yeah. or something like he just like, he just, you know, writes one great song after another. But then, and then it just started to feel like the, the albums felt less and less like meaningful to me. Like they, I, I felt like they were yeah. being, he was sure i mean I, I think there were some substances involved and i think that he you know which probably contributed maybe to him you know just getting in the studio and just like oh, i got another song uh, you know and and it just it the, the, like the quality <laughs> yes. of this like the quality of the songwriting just kind of and then i just felt like it kind of got a little self-indulgent and then like it just i just felt like there was you know he was so gifted and yet i just i'm with you like and then He's really one of the few, well, there've been a few others, but, I, um, 
you know, to have this sort of me too moment, you know, within, within yeah. this sort of genre, you know, somewhat, I don't know if it was a, me too. Right. maybe it wasn't a me too thing, but it was, it was sketchy, whatever it was. It was super sketchy. Yeah. Like super, super young yeah. girl fan, yeah. you know, that he like was like promising to help and like, like that's crazy. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so that, that like, uh, those are examples of some people that I don't listen to. But when I heard about the um, young, young teenager, uh, you know, I was just like, no more. And then it's like, and it's like, you know, and I've heard that he's an asshole his whole career. Um, and that was almost excusable as far as just being like, you know, having a bad temper and being mean to people. I was almost excusable until you throw in, um, you know, abusing young women. Like that's just not, I can't tolerate it. I can't tolerate it at all. And that just like really, um, I just, yeah, I literally am like, okay, that that's not an artist I listen to when it comes to like, um, women uh being abused and and um legislation will not and justice system doesn't hold up in those scenarios um because it mm -hmm. turns into one word over the other and victim blaming and it's it, it never like you know Marilyn Manson like how the hell has this gone on that long you know and so and with our justice system again being money Trump's all, you know, money will uh, get you out of whatever bind you're in. Um, so yeah. really like the only deciding, the only consequences are that of boycotting, you know, and we've known that for a long time, yeah. right? When companies, we don't like their sure. things, we're like, we're not buying your stuff. That's not cancel culture. By the way, that word drives me nuts, but, and, and some people, it, it, it's, clever and it's funny to be like oh they got canceled that's funny but um it's like consequence consequences got to come from somewhere and i'm not gonna feel yeah. bad if someone on the internet gets berated uh because they sure shit didn't get prosecuted you know that's kind of where i'm at with that stuff and i'm not um and and i'm not saying like i'm perfect or even my art is perfect it's it's imperfect uh so you know I could invite people to, and they do, they, they criticize, <laughs> they do sometimes. So, um, and, and that's oh. okay. I, but uh, I will say though, that, um, that neon cross, like I, um, really, I mean, even when, I mean, when pitchforks giving you a good review, um, you know, I mean, you, you, it was pretty universally, uh, well received and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's high praise really when, when across the board, when you're getting, those kinds of reviews. That was um, cool. I think it was any, you know, yeah, you got like really, I mean, and deservedly so. It's it's a it's it's a fucking Thanks, great man. record. Um, and if you guys, you know, if you have not heard it yet, um, Neon Cross is out on New West Records. Came out about a year ago, but um, but uh, Jimmy's going to be hitting the road um, next month, right? Yeah, I'll August. be touring August, September little bit of October and, and I've got some dates in November in Seattle and on the West coast, but August is Texas and Colorado and uh, September is like the South. And then 
the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah. Then do you think you might do like a full North American after that? I think so. The problem is it's been very patchy um, since True. Yeah. everything opened up again. There's a quite a, there's a lot of holds on venues and, and so it'll just take a minute to catch up. Um, yeah. But so everything's getting booked like with less advanced time than normal. So yeah, probably the answer right. is probably, but yeah. 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 So. yeah. Thanks, Jamie. I've really enjoyed talking with you and I'm just, I'm excited for you for this upcoming year and thank you for doing what you do really fucking well. Wow. Thank you so much, Scott. I hope to see you out on the road really soon. Right on, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.